Helping you take control of your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. This is the KCLR Power Hour with Natalie Lennon. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is the Power Hour with myself, Natalie Lennon, our second show of the series. I am here with you every Wednesday evening until 7 p.m. So excited to have the opportunity again to dive deep into everything fitness, nutrition, mindset, well-being and self-development with you here this evening and over the weeks to come. A reminder, the aim of the Power Hour with myself every single week is to make sure you walk away feeling more positive, uplifted, inspired and most of all empowered with the tools to take control of your health and your well-being. I want to give you the tools to take control of your health, tap into your power and maximise the quality of your life inside and out as I try to do myself. And of course, we are going to have lots of fun while we do it. If you want to get in touch with any questions that I can help you with, food or fitness related, anything at all, please do send them in to our dinnersready.ie text line 083 306 9696. And of course, you can WhatsApp us there as well with any voice note questions you might have. So what is coming up on this week's Power Hour? I'm going to talk to you about how you can fix your breakfast. 90% of the clients I work worked with have done their breakfast wrong. So tune back in for that soon. I'm going to tell you about my experience with self-defense classes recently. And we have a wonderful interview with a Kilkenny sensei coming up. We're going to address the topic of calorie counting, how to do it, whether you should do it or not. I told you last week to come back for it. I have a wonderful interview on the way. I have, again, a very funny fitness story that will give you a good giggle. We are going to go through our one minute myth buster. And I'm going to ask you how you get on with your homework from last week, our cheer challenge. Did you do your homework of at least seven hours sleep a night? Do text in, let me know, 083-306-9696. First of all, we're going to jump to a quick ad break and I'll be back with you very soon. The KCLOR Power Hour with Natalie Lennon. Okay, so first up, let's talk breakfast. How do you like your eggs in the morning? I like mine with a kiss. Well, I can tell you, I don't get my eggs with a kiss. However, let me tell you how you can fix your breakfast. Do you have eggs? What do you have for breakfast? Text in, let me know. So... I wanted to tell you how you can fix your breakfast to start your day off on a much better note. It is true what they say. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Now, look, some people have it at 6 a.m. Some people have it at midday. That's okay with me. But what it is composed of is really, really important. We're not taught these basics in school. So often I have people come to me saying, my breakfast fails me at the time. But an hour later, two hours later, even 30 minutes later, I'm hungry again and come 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock I'm reaching for the biscuits I'm reaching for the chocolate bar and then your day is off to this roller coaster of snacking all day long so last week I discussed my golden nutrition let's not call it a rule let's call it a knowledge bomb with you which was when we spoke about macronutrient groups. So just to recap on that really quickly, nutrition is composed of our three main macronutrient groups, carbohydrates, fats and proteins. 
Now, when it comes to breakfast, the main mistake that we make here every single day is choosing predominantly carbohydrates. So, for example, cereal, fruit, toast, porridge, they're all carbohydrates. Now, all three macronutrient groups affect your blood sugars differently. Now, blood sugars is a topic we could talk about for hours in itself. So I'm going to try and shorten this down for you. When you eat a food, it results in a spike usually in your blood sugars. Now, depending on what that food is, that spike may be a really, really quick one that goes very, very high. And that's when you're full of energy all of a sudden or it could be one that goes up nice and slowly, you're energised and it doesn't drop really quick because what goes up really quick will come down really quick. So carbohydrates on their own lead to a big jump in your blood sugar spike. Big jump of energy, but also they'll dip really quickly. So for example, what will lead to this blood sugar rise and then a quick dip? Porridge. Porridge oats made with maybe just a little bit of milk, but loads of porridge oats. It's actually not a good way to start the day, but I'm going to tell you how you can fix that because porridge oats are fantastic. Especially if you put porridge oats with banana and honey. That's carb plus carb plus carb. Blood sugar spike central. So how can we fix it? Well, hold on and I'll tell you. Other examples that may lead to this blood sugar rise and then you're reaching for the biscuits and the chocolates in an hour or two hours time now I know I have a family member listen to me and he has this and he's going to tell me it is fantastic and he's had it for years but listen to me toast with honey (laughs) or toast with just honey and banana again it's carb plus a carb Weetabix if that's just with a little bit of milk and you're adding in more banana they're all fantastic foods but you just have them as a carbohydrate on its own two pieces of fruit carbohydrate on its own a sugar sweetened yogurt that is quite high in carbohydrates cereals or granolas lots of a cereal with a little bit of milk that's high in carbohydrates now hear me out i love carbohydrates we welcome carbohydrates they are not the devil however how can you fix your breakfast you can add a protein and a fat so for example adding a protein how can we change your porridge oats add it to milk but maybe even some protein powder, some seeds like pumpkin seeds, chia seeds, add some berries, maybe raspberries, blueberries, peanut butter, almond butter. That will result in a smaller blood sugar rise and it will fill you for so much longer. And you're getting more nutrients. How can you improve your toast with banana? Add peanut butter. Add a sprinkle of seeds. Maybe have a high protein yogurt on the side. Maybe add two boiled eggs. How can you improve your yogurt choice? Look at the label. Is it high in sugar? Is it high in protein? If it's low in protein, try swap it out for one that's higher and add some seeds and nuts. I'm repeating the food, the repeating seeds and nuts here a lot because we don't get enough of them in our diet. Weetabix, how can you improve that? This morning, I shared it on my own Instagram. I mixed in some lovely protein. I had seeds. I had berries. So that is how you can fix your breakfast. Any questions, send it in to me on ourdinnersready.ie text line here on the Power Hour 083 306 Now, quickly, let me move on to our next topic, self-defense. I 
I hope you're all bopping as you're listening to that song. Okay, so self-defence, it's been very prominent in everyone's news feeds, particularly my own lately. After the tragic passing of Ashling Murphy and many more scary attacks since then, personally, I felt like self-defence was something that I had to do to feel more safe. Now, it shouldn't be the case that we have to do it to feel more safe, but at the end of the day... The way I see it is, it's the world we live in. But self-defence is not just something that is fantastic for, um, from a self-defence aspect, but it's also fantastic for our confidence, our empowerment. And I could not believe, I've done three self-defence classes so far, everybody, in Empower Fitness in Carlo. The confidence boost that it gave me. And I've got, I've kind of got the taste for it now and I want to take it on as a new sport of my own. And let me just say, Obviously, women's self-defence is something that we're hearing a lot more about, but it is so important for men and children of all ages, all levels. My first class was thought to me by a local man, Sensei Larry McEnroe from Dragon's Lair, a school here in Kilkenny. You can see all the videos of me, a petite enough woman, rolling around these big, strong men on the ground. And because I learned the techniques, I had the power to turn them over. It was incredible. So we're going to be back to you very soon with an interview uh, with Sensei Larry himself and all the many reasons beyond just self-defence as to why you should think about trying this sport. But first of all, we are going to take you to a lovely song, Head and Heart by Joel Corey. Oh my God, oh my God, this feeling's just begun. I'm saying things I've never said, doing things I've never done. Oh my God, oh my God, when I see you, I shoot it right. But I'm frozen in motion, and my head tells me to stop, tells me to stop. Feeling things, feeling things, I feel about us. Mm-hmm. Try to fight it, but it's never enough. I'm frozen in motion, and my head tells me to stop, but my heart goes guys so now I'm going to take you to a lovely chat that I had with Sensei Larry McEnroe from Dragon's Lair in Kilkenny during the week really really insightful I hope you are ready for it 
So I am here outside Dragon's Lair, the School of Japanese Martial Arts in Kilkenny, Kilkenny's biggest martial arts and fitness centre. And I'm here with the amazing Sensei Larry McEnroe, Chief Instructor, who holds a master grade, world recognised qualification in Jiu Jitsu. How are you today, Larry? I'm very fine, thanks very much. Larry's after showing me all around um, the grounds here and I am absolutely amazed. I feel like I just left Kilkenny and walked into Japan for a little while. Um, if you check out my Instagram tonight, I'll have some videos of the school on my story. But I'm going to dive in straight away with some questions for Sensei Larry here. So Dragon's Lair houses many styles of martial arts. Now we're going to talk about self-defense tonight. So which style of martial art or is there a style that would be best from a self-defense point of view Larry? Well I would be a small bit biased because I do jiu-jitsu but um, jiu-jitsu is recognized as being uh, one of the top martial arts for um, breakaways, for throwing people, for taking people to the ground, for defending yourself on the ground. Now we teach traditional jiu-jitsu which is where all the other jiu-jitsus came from including Brazilian jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. you know and the whole idea basically is to learn to not get into the situation where you have to fight. You should try to be able to finish the fight very quickly. And um, I think you know that from, like, there's, there's lots of different styles out there. And lots of them would probably claim to be the best. But at the end of the day, if you're doing a self-defense course, you cannot teach someone to be a jiu-jitsu master, a karate master, a kung fu master, a boxer. And so many people go to self-defense courses for one hour and two hours and someone tries to kick, show them how to kick someone in the head, mm -hmm. right? How to punch someone in the face. Like, that's not practical. Why would you teach a woman to punch a fella in the face, break her hand and render herself useless? I agree, right? yeah. How would you, why would you teach someone to try and kick him in the head or kick him in, even kick him in the, in the ghoulies, right? <laughs> right? Because at the end of the day, you don't know how to kick. Why should you get involved? Practical self-defense, I was lucky enough to learn this in London and uh, with the Canadian Mounted Police Force. Practical self-defense has basically nothing to do with uh, kicking and punching and headbutting and whatever else that comes yeah. with it. Practical self-defense is having a bit of cop on. You know, you've done the course with me a few weeks back. I was back. just going to say, the one class I've done with Larry, and I will be doing a lot more, mm -hmm. Um, hopefully, but that one I done, I wasn't expecting to learn what I learned. I went in thinking, I'm going to be told how to throw a punch, how to throw a kick. And it was the complete opposite. And I never felt so empowered and confident after this one class with what I learned. Now I'd have to do it again hmm. to, to really knock it into my brain a bit more. But um, that kind of leads me on to my next question. Have you saw a big increase in the want for female self-defense self over the last few weeks with everything that's happened? That's what brought me to your first class. Yeah, unfortunately, I, we have. And um, obviously, we feel absolutely devastated for the family of that young lady and, and other people who mm -hmm. recently have been attacked uh, not so far away from where we are now. Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, and like, at the end of the day, yes, we have seen a big increase in, in it. And... Um, you know, like I'll give you a classic example. We've seen a big increase in it here because people want to learn how to defend themselves. Yeah. Last weekend I was in Germany teaching. Okay. Wow, just last weekend. Yeah, just last weekend. <laughs> I was in Germany teaching. Every school in Germany teaches self defense. Yeah. All the primary schools, all the secondary schools. Why don't they do it here? Now I teach in a lot of schools here. A yeah. lot around Kilkenny, Kilkenny College and a few other places. But you're right? only one man, you can't do it all. No, but it, the yeah. point being is it should be part of the curriculum. 
right? We're, we're, and the one thing you'll always hear people saying who are very uh, not up with what's going on, they'll say, oh, well, they'll only be fighting in the school. They won't. Because they all know the same thing. Yeah. Yeah? They won't. If anything, they'll get some sort of camaraderie between them because they're training together, they're working together, and they're learning to defend themselves. Like, you see what we have inside there. Loads of girls doing it. 50 50 me- yeah. boys and girls, right? 50 50 yeah. boys and girls. And that was unheard- not what I was expecting. No, Incredible. Yeah. And the girls are able to defend themselves quite quite well against the guys using jujitsu, of course, yeah. right? Um, and like we said, we run the self defense courses, which we do. And before all this happened, we always ran the self defense courses. Uh, we ran them for Women's, Women's Day. Uh, we used to run them for clubs to contact us and we'd say, yeah, yeah, come up and uh, we'll do the course for you. Uh, no charges, make a donation to some... To Women's Aid. To Women's Aid or, aid or those, the yeah. Refuge or Women's, uh, the Rape Crisis Centre or anything like Brilliant. that. Because we would never want to be seen to be um, working off the back of tragedies from other people, you know? Yeah, but and just to touch on that, I suppose one thing you said about the school here, it's not a, a profit organisation. Everything you make goes back in to Dragon's Lair, which I think is incredible. It just shows your passion about the martial art itself, but helping other people. And touching on females um, and the increased want for self-defence classes and the fact that it should be nationwide and taught in schools, one thing that I used to associate self-defence with was kind of discipline and strict and the fact that in my brain it wasn't fun. And you have completely changed my view on that tonight because looking at all the kids and older students in there tonight, it's not just about discipline, but it's fun. You make it an enjoyable sport rather than something that we're doing because we're afraid. We're not learning this because we're afraid. We're learning it to be empowered. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah. And yeah. we, like, look, we are probably one of the most traditional schools of traditional martial arts you can get. As I, when you walked in the door there, you've seen that it's like stepping into Japan, yeah. right? And yeah. we, that's where we put our funds into. And we get some fantastic, we got a lovely grant off the sports council there lately to buy bows and arrows and stuff so the younger kids fantastic. can fire them. Because they're three, four hundred quid a pop and when you can, when they can come up and just fire them and get into a thing, it's great, like, you know? Yeah. And, like, when they come into the dojo, and I remember my times, I'd done many other styles and I just didn't take to any of them, okay? Yeah. And because... I was always in there doing 20 press-ups, 20 sit-ups, 20 run, run this, jump jab, do this. And it was just a chore to have to go there. Yeah. You see what we do in there. We make it fun. It's yeah? fun. Yeah, they're all laughing and giggling as doing it. And what they don't realize is they're actually getting fitter. Yeah. Right? We do, as I said, they the Thunderball games, right? And they get hit, they do 20 press-ups or 10 press-ups. But they do them because they know they got hit. Do, do you know what I'm saying? It's a game. Yeah. Right? They come out here and the sweat is dripping off them. And Mammy says they'll sleep well tonight. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> off, they, off, off they go. And uh, <laughs> you know, they don't come here dreading coming because they have to do all these press ups and sit ups. And that's one thing that, like, in the power hour as a whole, I keep coming back to that whatever it is you choose to do for your health or your fitness, oh. it has to be enjoyable or you're not going to keep it up. And it's the same with self defense. And you bring that enjoyable aspect to it that I've never saw anywhere before. Um, and touching on that, we're moving on to the next question as a method of just exercise itself like martial arts and self-defense i think a lot of people might necessarily see it as a good workout but it is it's a fantastic workout an aerobic exercise oh yeah if you stay for our caveman now that's coming on for the adults you'll see in the, uh, is that the class at eight o'clock that's the class at eight o'clock yeah. so by the time that the listeners hear this interview after this show i'm on my way to my first class with you mm. that's what i'm in for yeah 
We do. The caveman. And, and, and you know what? I said it to the adults, and um, some of them are older than most. And we, you know, I said, "Is it a, is it a case that you don't like it?" And the boy said to me, "I lost two stone, or I lost a stone, or I lost half a stone." You know, since we started doing this, and keep doing it because yeah. I'm doing it because I have to, or you shout at us. Yeah, <laughs> you know what exactly. I mean. And that's I, I, I'm delighted to hear it. Like you they're know? losing that weight through means of enjoyment. Yeah, they're not killing themselves. They're getting ready for the class that's coming ahead of them. Then, and once the class comes, they're warmed up nicely, ready to go. Yeah, and that's it, really. Yeah. You know, so it is so a great form of fitness. Well, form of yeah. fitness, but also I keep using these the word self-empowerment mm. because after my first class with you I walked out that day and my confidence was just so much higher my sense of self-empowerment was so much higher do you see martial arts as like yes it's a form of physical transformation for some people because we talk about mm -hmm. weight loss yeah but as a form of personal transformation I from a confidence perspective I'll give you a classic example of this I have three sons okay and they all went on to be black belts and boxers and kickboxers and all the rest of it. One won gold medal for Ireland in boxing. Incredible. And all the rest of it. But I can honestly tell you that they walked into school with their head up, not their head down. Yeah. Not a victim, not look at me, I'm afraid to look at anyone in straight in the face. Yeah. And you look at the young lads in there, right? They're all friends. No matter what school they go to, no matter what part of town, well, no matter how much money their dad has in the bank or their mom has in the bank, it doesn't matter. In yeah. there, they're part of a group. Yeah. Okay. And they have friends for life. And um, we don't allow any sort of bullying outside. If you do, you're out of the club. Everybody knows that when they start. Yeah. And you learn self-defense to defend yourself. Not to become a bully, not to beat people Like up. everyone's here for themselves, yeah. to defend themselves. But mm. they're also, there's this camaraderie. Yeah, there's camaraderie. You can see it at the second you in the door. Uh, and for the, the children, but also the adults. Like that same bond and sense of development and being a friend to everyone. Yes, it develops when you're a child, but I think it's really important to emphasize that it can still be built as an adult when you start a sport like this later in life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know? definitely. And as you've seen with the Japanese archery, like we have a huge yeah, Japanese range. archery. Yeah, we have a huge Amazing. range of people, right? We have people in their seventies, all the way down to people who are thirteen and fourteen. Yeah, right. All doing the same thing. And I plan on bringing my dad here for a bonding <laughs> session with him. Daddy, now you're finding out. Listen to it on the radio. Yeah. You've no choice. Um, Sensei Larry, thank you so much for your time today and no taking problem. me in and showing me all around Dragon's Lair here in Kilkenny. If someone wants to get in touch with you or take a class, what's the best way to do so? Well, you can go on to dragonslayer.ie. Perfect. Uh, or just look us up on Facebook. And uh, and guys, Dragon's Lair, Lair is spelled L-A-I-R, mm -hmm. just so yeah. you know. All one word. Brilliant. Yeah. So Perfect. look us up on that. Um, as I said, Facebook, and uh, we're well known around town anyway. So And we have class, we have clubs in Carlow as well, So and clubs in Town. So if you're in that general area as well, we have clubs in, in Tipperary, if you can hear the uh, broadcast out that far. Yeah. And um, it's our way is Cork and Donegal. Fantastic. So there's no excuse to get up and get and fit. <laughs> to get up and get fit and get empowered. empowered Thank you yes. so much for your time today, No, Sensei thank Larry. you for your time. It's much appreciated. Really. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks. Okay, I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Sensei Larry. Um, I got a text in here from Maria and it is a brilliant question all about the breakfast topic. Is Weetabix or porridge better to help with constipation? So just to answer this one quickly, both are fantastic sources of fibre and fibre is what will help with constipation. However, people often make the mistake of increasing their fibre intake, adding in the Weetabix or the porridge 
without increasing their water intake. You need more water if you're increasing your fiber, otherwise you will just become more constipated. So make sure you're increasing your water. Have a glass of water in the morning before you do anything and try adding linseeds or chia seeds. They will also help with the process. Now, guys, we are going to jump to a quick ad break before I come back to you with another interview. Helping you take control of your fitness, nutrition and mindset. The KCLR Power Hour with Natalie Lennon. Okay, so we are back here with a very special guest that I am delighted to be speaking to today. Last week, we had lots of questions about diet, how to count calories, should we count calories, weight loss, the weight loss mentality, should we have that mentality at all? Now, I have been following Sinead Crow, intuitive eating counsellor from Galway for a very long time on Instagram, and I am thrilled to be joined with her today. Sinead, how are you keeping? Hi, how are you doing? So good to be chatting to you today. I'm delighted to have you here. So, Sinead, I'm going to dive straight into it. I just said there about the questions that we got in last week on the show with regards to diet, dieting, calories. And the first question I have for you, uh, we're going to dive into intuitive eating as an idea in a second. But the first question that's on everyone's mind is maybe why you would recommend people potentially avoid calorie counting when it comes to their diet yeah of course and it's such a it's such a common question that i get asked a lot as well and it's understandable because i think now we see it we see calories mentioned on labels everywhere and there's a lot of i suppose push for people to understand what calories they're taking in and i think you know it's important to know that like calorie counting is not a benign i suppose intervention it's very much associated with an eating disorder pathology and that's yeah. not to suggest that every single person who counts calories is going to wind up with an eating disorder. But we have seen that, you know, there's a huge amount of people in society today struggling with disordered eating. So may not necessarily meet the criteria for an ED, but calorie counting plays a huge role in that. And I suppose very simply because once we start, I suppose, the number crunching and we become um, it can become quite obsessive, you know, looking at calories yes. in, calories out. And I think that it's not a simple equation as that because we know that up to 70% of our body weight and body size, body shape is determined by our genetics. And we each utilize calories differently. And there's loads of other reasons, I suppose, to know that even in terms of like the, the law around labeling, there's, you know, 20% margin of error when it comes to how nutrition facts are, um, you know, outlined wow. on our packets of food, etc. So it's not even accurate. Exactly. Um, and you know what you said there, Sinead, about uh, calorie counting often leading to an eating disorder or disordered eating. Last week was my first week here on the Power Hour on KCLR and I dove into my story a little bit and I was one of those people who developed yeah. what was an eating disorder that wasn't really given a name. I was ticking the boxes of some kind of disordered eating habits that eventually was told I was um, kind of coined as OSFED, other specified feeding and eating disorders. And never in a million years that I think when I in innocently downloaded an app to count my calories, I'd end up at my rock bottom, you know, a few years ago. Um, and just what you said there about 70% of it being genetics. So often we think we can change our body to this unrealistic place through calorie counting. So if someone wants to to lose weight, Sinead, um, usually people go straight to calorie counting as the way to do it. How do people do it? Or do you suggest that they maybe don't do it at all and go about it a different way? 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, obviously I'm an advocate of intuitive eating, which is not aligned, I suppose, with the intentional pursuit of weight loss. Yes. And, and I'm not here to ever shame anybody or tell anybody that they shouldn't or couldn't lose weight. That's not what I would say at all. But I think we know through um, research the, the way people are told now to, you know, eat less and move more, and that's going to result in weight loss. Unfortunately, what we're seeing is actually the opposite. This, this mm-hmm. dieting is having is increasing people's weight long term. So I, I suppose I would suggest that if somebody is interested in wanting to feel better, and what's the why behind wanting to lose weight? For Great some people, question. if it is about wanting to feel better, you know, there are loads of ways that we can engage in health-promoting behaviours that actually, if we are above our natural set-point weight, our body will, when we become intuitive eaters and we find movement that we enjoy and we engage in these different important um, health-promoting behaviours, our body will will naturally find the weight that it's most comfortable at. And that might not fit what we see uh, like in the magazines and our media. Yeah. But the reality is, is only like less than 5% of the world's population fits into this beauty ideal that we see everywhere. Less than 5%. It's funny... Speaking about health-promoting behaviours and talking about like looking better, feeling better, the message I try to get across here, and I'll probably say it at some point in the show every single week, is rather than thinking, look better, feel better, we need to start thinking, if we feel better, we will look better. Because naturally our mindset will change if we start chasing the, the, the feeling of being better rather than looking better. But it's very difficult when someone comes to you saying, I want to lose weight. Society has told me to lose weight. The magazines have told me to lose weight. And you're telling me that I need to to chase health and feeling good. And then they move on to the next person. But I suppose the message we're trying to get across is, how can you keep moving from one diet to the next before you finally cave and try something different? And we want to stop people from trying all these different diets and move straight into what you are coining as intuitive eating. Now, this might be a very new term to a lot of our listeners here today. Can you tell us a little bit about what intuitive eating is, please, tonight? Yeah, of course. And I think just even to circle back, you're, you know, mm-hmm. you're spot on about what you said there in relation to sometimes, like I ask people when they message me that kind of in distress, I need to lose weight. And, I, and I'd say, well, how has it worked out so far when it comes to dieting? Yes. Like what does dieting cost you mentally, emotionally, financially, you know, all the rest physically? Um, and usually when we when we look at it, some of us have tried up on 40, 50 diets in the space of yes. 10 or 15 years. And just so, to to um, say calorie counting is a form of a diet that would be correct oh absolutely yes, just yeah, to clarify absolutely. that to the listeners yeah yes it's very much a dieting behavior absolutely but I think in terms of intuitive eating intuitive eating um, I suppose first to say that we wouldn't need a framework to tell us show us how to eat if it wasn't for diet culture in the first place so if we if we weren't kind of um, exposed to all this the diet culture messaging from yes. very very young ages we wouldn't need to have this framework and basically it is a self-care eating framework and it's evidence-based I mean there's 150 plus um, you know research articles on intuitive eating now so it's not Brilliant. some kind of like foodie food or something we've made, yeah. we've made up uh, and really it's like a mind body health approach and there are that. 10 principles that kind of allow us to unlearn all of the diet culture messaging that we've all like been exposed to for so many years and it, it, it allows us to relearn how to listen to our bodies like our bodies are so super smart they know what foods satisfy us they know what foods make us feel full and energized they know what foods make us feel awful and lethargic and bloated mm-hmm. but so often we're not listening to our bodies because we're listening 
to the outside noise of this has this many calories, this food is good for you, this food is bad for you. And, and what all we don't realise is we yeah. subconsciously are listening to that noise. So when I was in, I think it was third year or fifth year in school, I remember seeing a certain brand of cereal and there was this challenge that she'd done to look like the lovely lady in the red swimsuit. And I started doing I it when I was... You know about. the one, you know, we won't name names here today. No, but we won't. <laughs> here I was thinking I was doing something healthy. And little did I know this was diet culture, subconsciously planting a seed in my brain that down the line was going to tear me apart. And it, it did just that. So when it comes to intuitive eating, it's not about weight loss at all. Would I be right no. in saying that? Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not anti-weight loss. Some people, and the reason we don't talk about, I, I suppose, as much that people, of course, people can lose weight when they embark upon an intuitive eating journey. But the reason why we don't share that is because people will hear that and grab onto it and say, yes. oh, well, great, I'm going to start intuitive eating and lose this weight. And they kind of use it as a diet. And so many people do use it as a diet starting off. But it's not aligned with the intentional pursuit of weight loss, which is very different to if your body naturally loses weight through listening to your body cues. Yeah, that's yeah. one thing that I try to get across to people if they when I'm trying to get them to focus more on a health goal instead of a weight loss goal. It's very hard to say, look, I'm not saying you're not going to lose weight because there's a very, very high potential that you will down the line if you take on these health-promoting behaviours. But I don't want you to start this journey with the idea of, okay, brilliant, down the line, I know that's to come. We need people to kind of shake this ideal. Um, so if people want to be a little bit more intuitive and kind of start this intuitive eating mindset, what questions can we ask ourselves daily to be a little bit more intuitive? Yeah, I think like even starting with, you know, even the minute we wake up in the morning, like just doing a little body check in, you know, what am yes. I noticing in my body right now? What are the sensations that I'm noticing? Even the thoughts that are going on in my mind, because I think so we're, we're living busy lives, aren't we? Like, I mean, look, we're all going nine to five or, you know, it's busy. There's so many projects, different activities. It never stops. It, it never stops. Mm. And like when it's go, 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 are we really taking the time to listen in to see what our body might be trying to tell us? And sometimes it might be just a matter of scheduling in re regular little breaks like you might set like timer on your or your timer on your watch do you hear me I sound about 90 on your, <laughs> <laughs> you know you might set a little uh, what do you call it on your on your smartphone or whatever um, just just a little yeah. alarm that will remind you check just to in. do some deep breathing yeah. or even do a like a guided three minute body scan I use the exactly. calm app and I think it's brilliant the way you can just do a three minute body scan three minutes yeah. can completely reset you one one word that you use there well too body check do a body check and I love that because often I think people associate the term body check with I get up in the morning I check my weight I take a picture in the mirror I have a look at what my body oh. looks like in the mirror and we want to kind of yeah, completely no. change Scrap the idea that. of a body check to stopping thinking breathing and connecting internally I love that yeah, absolutely. No, we're certainly not talking about wig or looking at the yes. mirror or looking at our physical Let's body. Let's change that definition of a body internally. check. Yeah. yeah. Two more questions yeah. for you, Sinead. So I saw when you post on Instagram, your page is amazing. And we were saying how a lot of people have the mindset of, well, I can't have chocolate because I'm addicted to it. Or I can't have bread because I'm addicted to it. Once I pop, I can't stop. Um, and we're trying to let people know there's no such thing as an addiction necessarily to chocolate or to bread. So if someone is sitting at home going, oh, I've used that sentence a million times, how can they change that mindset? 
Yeah, look at I used it myself for years. I, I was full blown. Con- I, I was convinced I was a. I used to call myself a chocoholic. I mean, that's what I yeah, used to say, yeah. right? And or you know, and it's 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 so problematic because again, our mindset is so key and how we perceive food and our relationship to it. Um, but ultimately, we know that like very different to other substances, so very different to alcohol or drugs or gambling per se. When an individual is exposed to these various substances or experiences, when they when they are truly addictive, the the consumption we we, we crave more and we uh, consume more the more we are exposed to to that but the actual the opposite happens with food so and this happened to me I I developed what what we call food habituation so this is where now I can have chocolate in my house at all times now 24 7 and because I've become habituated to it I no longer have that intense cravings or feel like that I can't be without it my body knows that it's safe that it's there I know that I can have it with it whenever I want and, and that's what we know from the studies with quote unquote food addiction is that actually I, I don't believe it exists at all. But that's I not agree. to say that it doesn't feel very real. It feels very much that like process, addictive yeah. and it can feel very out of control for people. So I totally empathise. It's a really difficult place to be with food. And I've been there as much as you have. I suffered with binging for a very, very, very long time. But that was just because I was restricting myself and telling myself I was addicted to these foods. Once I let them in, that initial process raised a lot of anxiety. When I was initially letting in the foods, I used to tell myself I I couldn't have because I could never stop. That initial period is scary. But after that, you just become uh, habituated to it. Is that the term? That's, that's yes. it, exactly. Brilliant. When we have that food around us, we look at, if you want to use chocolate over Christmas as an example, like so many of us like don't have chocolate for a lot of the year. And then it's it's no wonder that when like the roses are out at Christmas, yeah. that some of us just cannot keep our hand out of the pot. I love, but the, I saw, you know, just to say, I saw your story and um, about the Easter eggs being in the shops already. In, this was back oh, in yeah, January, I, I think them. you had the story <laughs> up. And you, you prefer the Galaxy Easter egg. What's the point in waiting till Easter? Stock up on them now you can have an easter egg now it's the same as having it in april why do we go so crazy on them i love that mentality um sinead just to wrap it up um if someone is looking to seek help and or advice for an eating behavior they're struggling with what should they be looking for so i think certainly reaching out to like a a non-diet dietitian or non-diet yeah, non-diet <coughs> dietitian uh, that specialises uh, in eating disorders would be, uh, I suppose, top. If you're, if you're, if you are concerned about some of your behaviours, you really want to meet with somebody has, that has expertise and knowledge when it comes to eating disorders. Brilliant. So, uh, and there are a range available. There's a website where you can where you can source that. Um, you know, but I suppose look at me. Also, there's loads of free resources. I mean, if you want to, obviously check out our Instagram page. Hopefully yes. There'll be so a lot of your Instagram page. There. If someone wants to go and find you, is at intuitive.eating.ireland. Is that right, Sinead? That's right. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Sinead, thank you so much for your time today. That was such an interesting discussion. I hope everyone at home found it really helpful. Here on the Power Hour on KCLR, we will chat to you very, very soon. You're listening to the KCLR Power Hour with Natalie Lennon. Hello, everybody. Okay, so we're going to round up my second Power Hour here with you on KCLR with our Power Hour regulars. First of all, we're going to go into our fitness funny story because we're all human and I feel like it helps us to remember this as we take on our health journeys. So I got this one in during the week. Once I was running on the treadmill, 
It was my first time. I was about to start an induction in the gym. I closed my eyes to sneeze, which caused me to trip, land face first and fly off the treadmill. Could you imagine the embarrassment? Well, I tell you, I understand how sneezing can be an issue because it was an issue to me when I first started driving, didn't I sneeze? And didn't I crash the car? God help us and save us, but I was fine. But next time we go to sneeze, folks, let's hold the finger to the nose and try to stop it. Okay, moving on to our next regular, the one minute myth bust. You cannot choose an area you want to lose fat from. Often you see people say, well, if I do sit-ups, I'll lose belly fat. No, you won't. When you exercise, you burn calories. If you burn more calories than you take in, you will lose body fat, but you don't get to decide what area that fat falls from. So please remember that. Don't try and choose a specific area. Now, you can do an exercise to help build and strengthen a muscle in a certain area. So if you're doing sit-ups, you are going to help to build and strengthen your core muscles, but you're not going to help yourself lose body fat from that area. Belly fat is usually the last one to leave. So let's not get so caught up in the, the body compositions, um, shall we say. And then moving on to our last little section of the Power Art tonight, our cheer challenge, or let's say your homework. Last week, how did you get on? I gave you homework to get seven hours sleep a night and I really hope you've done it and you felt the benefits. Now that was minimum. Maybe you got eight to nine. This week, guys, what I want you to do is increase your hydration intake. Now we are often told to have eight glasses of water a day. I don't think it's realistic to look at it that way. We're not using glasses that much anymore. If you can carry around a two litre bottle, brilliant. But what I want you to do this week for your homework from the Power Hour from myself, Natalie Lennon here is drink a big glass of water first thing in the morning when you wake up every single day. Maybe another glass at midday. But that, drink a glass of water in the morning before you do anything else. Come back to me next week. Let me know on Instagram how you got on. Send me in the feedback on my Instagram, which is at Natalie Lennon, N-A-T-H-A-L-I-E underscore. I hope you all enjoyed the Power Hour here with myself on KCLR. I will talk to you all next week. The KCLR Contact Line 083-306-9696 Sponsored by DinnersReady.ie With low-calorie, healthy, balanced meals delivered to your door 056-77-69890